This is Matt Ward of The Way In, your home for combat sports. I'm joined with filmmaker and musician Drew Stone. Hey. Drew, thank you for joining me. <laughs> hey, by the way, we're in a diner, so you might hear some kids in the <laughs> background. <laughs> we are in a diner in Clifton, New Jersey. Um, this is where we do our best work yeah, in, a yeah. din- in a diner. <laughs> Drew, let's start off by talking about your involvement in the band Antidote and the New York City hardcore music scene. How did you you get involved in the hardcore scene back in the 80s? Well, um, I come from a film background, and I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, You know, my dad was a a film director, and I grew up on film sets and around around the film business. And um, my dad worked with a lot of sports figures, but we'll get to that. But I went to Emerson College in Boston to study acting in 1981. And when I went up to Boston as a freshman, I really, I fell in, there was a kid in the cafeteria with his head shaved, and um, I was introduced to him, and I was curious, you know, uh, you know, I was a New Yorker, you know, I sort of, I was going up to, you know, study acting at Emerson, I was going to be the next James Dean, you know, like, <laughs> I thought all you had to do was act cool, you know, yep, uh, yep. little did I know. So I'm introduced to this guy, and um, he had his head shaved, and he said he's into hardcore, and I didn't understand, what do you mean hardcore? You know, like like Blondie or Joan Jett, and um, he said, "Look, why don't you just?" He said, "No, like Black Flag." I said, "Black Flag, like the bug spray." He said, "Why don't you just come with me this weekend to to a show?" And um, I ended up uh, that weekend. Uh, we took our skateboards and uh, we uh, skateboarded to uh, a show at the Media Workshop, and that was uh, the first hardcore show I ever saw. Awesome, awesome. And by the way, that 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 person that I met. Um, you know, as a freshman, that turned out to be uh, Jack Kelly, who sings for the band Slapshot. Oh, Jack yeah. Kelly, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was going to Emerson as well at the time. Do you remember yeah. who the headliner was of your SSD first SSD Control. Nice. I saw, SSD, I saw yeah. um, one of SSD Control's first shows. Awesome. So, yeah, and, and what happened there was that um, up until then, music to me was sort of like an idol worship thing. It was like mm-hmm. bands on stage, like the Rolling Stones and the Grateful Dead and so going to this thing as soon you know there was only like 15 20 kids there and as soon as the band was done the guitar player took his guitar off and sort of approached me and the band hey who are you like what do you you know there was it was such a small scene back then so immediately i was embraced you know there's 15 20 kids in in this scene and i was fortunate that you know i fell right in with it and they welcomed me and, and and i loved it and um i fell right in and i i i ended up you know, in a band, and um, I came back from Boston eventually because um, music became sort of like my focus. And I started uh, a band in New York called The High and the Mighty, mm-hmm. and then I joined Antidote. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Looking back on your life in music, what does hardcore mean to you? Well, hardcore to me, it's really, a, it's really a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really a lifestyle and and uh, and a um, an attitude, you know. And a lot of the lessons. That I, that I learned in those early hardcore days in, in the early 80s um, have, have really created the roadmap um, for me, you know, you know, case in point as an independent filmmaker. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I still, a lot of the, the DIY work ethic that I picked up in the early 80s being part of the original, you know, hardcore scene really dictated, you know, me as an adult at this point. I mean, I'm still, you know, one of the last of the, you know, true independent filmmakers and and I, I, I realized that I really enjoy doing it myself and operating myself you, you know you know I, I feel like um, you know the payoff is greater um, and, and I'm not, and I'm certainly not talking about financially but artistically 
you know, doing things myself and putting it out myself and having, you know, doing that sort of thing is, is I find extremely gratifying. Very cool. Very cool. When did you decide to become a professional filmmaker? Well, like I said, it was always in my blood because you know my dad was a film director, so I grew I grew up in, in film sets and. And, you know, job to me always meant, you know, as a teenager, you know, working in a movie equipment rental house. I learned to drive trucks at a young age. I learned how to fix movie equipment. When I went to college and I got into the, the hardcore punk scene um, and then got in bands, I had the fantasy for a few years of, of, of playing music. Yeah. And, and what happened, interestingly enough, was being in a band and playing all these shows with other bands in the, in the mid-'80s, what happened was... That was during the golden age of music videos. Right. So bands started coming to me saying, hey, you know about, you know, film business stuff. Can you do a video for me? And and that's what led to me starting to do videos for bands. And I started my film production company, and I had a long, successful run doing music videos. So at a certain point, I sort of, you know, the music thing started waning, and then I had a great run. Um, with my production company Stone Films NYC producing and eventually directing music videos. What were some of the uh, bigger music videos that you worked on? Well, first, uh, at first I was, I, through my production company Stone Films NYC, I, um, I was producing videos and the director was Paris Mayhew who was in the Cro-Mags. Oh yeah. And this is a guy I met when I was in Antidote. We played shows with the Cro-Mags. He was going to the new school to study to be a cameraman we started doing stuff together so originally uh, he was directing I was producing and we did um, we did uh, Biohazard we did five Biohazard videos Typo Negative uh, Run DMC we did Onyx Slam the song Slam which went to number one on MTV yeah you know Insane Clown Posse King's X Sepultura and then after I split with Paris I went on to direct and I did Agnostic Front um, Sub-Zero, Marauder, Sick of It All, uh, Vanilla Ice, you know, I, so I went on as a director after that, yeah. So mostly a lot of heavy metal, hip-hop, and hardcore. Yeah, what happened when I was on my own directing, I, I became sort of like the king of, 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 uh, of hardcore videos, you know, <laughs> and uh, I had this, you know, this, this run of doing, you know, all these sort of like hardcore videos, and, and some other ones as well, but but there was a run there where I was was doing that stuff, and then that led, in a strange way, to me doing extreme sports films. Oh yeah, because yeah. I sort of got the reputation of being sort of like that, you know, gritty, grimy director guy that can handle really difficult artists, and which 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 has a parallel with my dad, which I'm sure we'll talk about, and how he ended up you know involved with Ali and stuff. But, um, yeah, so somebody came to me because there was this, this street bike thing happening, motorcycles. Oh, yeah. And someone said, hey, you got to see this. You know, you're a street guy. You know what's going on. And I saw it, and I did a documentary called 12 O'Clock, and it, it did very well. And then, you know, I went on this run. I did all the Urban Street Bike Warrior films. I did nine films in seven years, and I directed the MTV True Life um, episode, I Live to Ride. Oh, So I had no a real, kidding. I had a real, you know, I, I've really been blessed with... In a certain way, having three careers. Yeah. I've had a career doing music videos, a career doing extreme sports films, and now a career doing documentary films. Yeah, you have a very yeah. diverse uh, and that, filmography. And, that, and that's aside from my music stuff. You yeah, know? yeah. 
Your latest film, Miwi, focuses on boxing legend Muhammad Ali. What inspired you to release this film? Well, this film has an incredible story. Mm -hmm. My dad did this film in uh, the mid-70s. Uh, he shot it on 16mm film. It was a labor of love. It screened, I think, let's just say it screened eight times on HBO in 1977 when HBO was like a box with a button in it that oh, you pressed. Yeah, that was yeah. it. It was a box with a button, you know? It screened eight times in, let's say, 1977 and then it went in a drawer for 40 years. Wow. And, you know, it was always something that... Um, as a, as a kid growing up, you know, my dad, you know, look, as a kid growing up in the 70s, Muhammad Ali was like a superhero. Yeah. I mean, there was a comic book, you know, Superman versus Muhammad Ali. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so, you know, I was in awe, you know, of, you know, you know, not only Muhammad Ali, but my father. Right. You know, and my father knew Muhammad Ali. You know, my father worked with Muhammad Ali. I mean, what's cooler than that, you know? And um, so... The film screened a couple times and then was put in a drawer for, for 40 years. And, you know, my, my, dad's still, my dad's still around. He's, he's 85 now. And a couple years ago, he gave me what was, what was left of the film. He gave me um, the negative, the film negative. And I went and I did a, uh, I did a new film-to-tape transfer, high-def film-to-tape transfer, and reassembled it and color-corrected it. And, listen, I, you know, as a documentary filmmaker, I really feel that the art should be liberated mm -hmm. and I really feel that the, the, you know uh, in, in a certain way I'm like an archaeologist you know it's like I, I believe in history and I believe that this stuff's important right and, 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 and way, way more important than any sort of monetary uh, uh, gain or value I mean money's nice I like making money but to me you know as a lover of you know uh, uh, of history and boxing, yeah. you know, I just felt that you know this is important. This is important stuff, and there's people that that want to see this stuff, and it's historical. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. How did you feel the first time you saw the intimate footage of Muhammad Ali in the movie? Well, like I said, my, my history, my history, uh, my my. Uh, I guess I'll call it an association, you know, with Ali goes back to when I was a kid. I mean, you know, my dad brought me to the second Joe Frazier fight at, at, at um, Madison Square Garden, and I was very young then. And and as a child, I think I think I was um, I was nine years old then. And my memory of it is being a young child and just you know, first off, it was it was Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Everyone knew who that was. But I just the one thing that I remember at the end of the fight sitting there and the whole arena was, was 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 chanting Ali before the decision Ali Ali and I just remember as a young child looking up at all these adults faces and how passionately Ali Ali and that's what I that's what I remember from that is like the whole place thundering yeah. Ali 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 <laughs> and, and that's what I remember from the second Joe Frazier fight but um you know like I said you know my dad worked with Ali and <clears throat> And also, a lot of the people that my dad later worked with in the film business worked on that film with mm -hmm. Ali. So it was just a part of my dad's sort of legacy. And, and, you know, all the people my dad worked with, not all of them, but a lot of them, worked with dad on the Ali film. So it was always, 
you know, it, 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 it was incredible. It's very cool to hear about the personal and emotional yeah. attachment you have to this film. Like, yeah. That's an added, yeah. added interesting factor to and it. And like I showed you before, I have an Ali autograph to Drew Stone, Muhammad Ali, 1977. Mm -hmm. I just showed it to you. And it has all the push pins in it because as a kid, it was on my cork board for years and years and years and years. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, now, thank God I put it in an envelope, you know, but, you know. Um, can you tell us more about where the footage came from that's included in the film? Absolutely. Um, the film was shot primarily in uh, Ali's training camp in Deer Lake, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. which um, you know is sort of a, an iconic place. Ali built it out of the woods, yeah. and it was a place for people to train. And you know, his dream was that Olympic you know boxers would, would would train there, and you know, and and Ali trained there. He built it and started training there. I think in like 75, 76. Okay. And and you know he he he, he trained there up until you know up until the end. Um, I think what Ali's fight last fight was what eighty one. Yeah, Trevor Burbank. Yeah, Trevor yeah, Burbank yeah, eighty one yeah. in Bahamas. Yeah. And um, so the 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 majority of it is shot in in um, Ali's camp in Deer Lake, and then. Part of it is shot in Vegas oh. um, because they traveled to Vegas because Ali was fighting Ron Lyle. Right, right. And that's where in the film, you know, uh, that's where the footage with Jerry Lewis and Phyllis Diller and Angelo Dundee sitting by the pool, all that was done in Vegas. And um, so it's really a combination of the two. But, but what makes the film special is it's not really about Ali the boxer. Mm -hmm. It's really about Ali the man and, 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 and Ali's lifestyle. Right, yeah. right. Tell us more about your father's, uh, how your father became involved in the sport of boxing. So, you know, my dad grew up in a, in a rough and tumble neighborhood in, in, in the Bronx. Uh, he was part of a Jewish street gang called the Stallions. And uh, my, dad was, my dad was a tough kid. And um, he boxed, mm -hmm. amateur boxed, and he boxed in the army. And when he came out of the army, a friend of his, Sidney Brodsky, was managing him and somehow had a connection down in Miami with Chris Dundee, Angelo Dundee's brother. And is it the 8th Street, 8th Street Gym? Yeah, it's out of Miami. In Miami. Mm -hmm. And so my dad and Brodsky got on a bus, took it down to Miami, and in hopes of, as my dad would say, becoming the, you know, the next great Jewish hope, you know? <laughs> and... Um, he was down there for a while, and it didn't really work out, you know. Um, it didn't work out as far as him being a boxer, but but that association remained, and he remained friends with Chris Dundee. Oh. So what happened was later on, when he wanted to do the Ali film, he reached out to Chris Dundee, whose brother Angelo was, man, was training um, Ali, and that was my father's connection to how he... he got accessibility to, to, to do the Ali film. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's how he got his in into the yeah, But let me just say that my dad's first bit, my first, my dad's first job in the film business was back in the day when they had boxing matches. They shot it on film. And after each round, they would give a messenger that roll of film and he would run it to the lab and it would get developed. So my dad's first job in the film business was running, um, Film to the lab in you know uh, for boxing matches. So your dad really had a ringside seat to some of the bigger fights. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. One of the things I really enjoyed about about the Miwi film was the two sides of Ali that you see in the film. Mm -hmm. uh, two sides meaning the way he interacted with fans and children, 
and, as well as his competitive side, um, where he's preparing for fights and sparring and whatnot. Um, as a filmmaker, what was it like for you to work on a film involving this complicated and beloved figure? Well, I think I think what shines through in the film most is, is in a certain way, is Ali's love for kids, mm -hmm. and I, I, and that's not a secret. That that that's really well known. That that he he really loved kids, and and he really went out of his way, um, you know, you know, for kids like that. But you know, it, it, it was great. It, it was it was. Uh, it was a joyful experience, you know, reassembling the film. And keep in mind, when I said it was, it was put in a draw for forty years. What was what 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 came out of the draw was a film that looked very dated and very worn and very tired. Mm -hmm. So it was very exciting when I got my hands on the original negative to 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 do a new film to take transfer and see the vibrancy and you know the colors pop out again and just bring it back to life that was really great that was really that was really enjoyable you know and and then also it's such a time capsule yeah. the film you know with people like bb king and jim brown and jerry lewis and phyllis diller you know it, it, and having you know you know i'm a kid of the 70s so you know these are people that i remember you know in their you know in their prime so you know it, it's special it's a special film nice nice you are a filmmaker who focuses on people and culture yeah. in your own words what does muhammad ali mean to america i know it's a loaded question <laughs> well no no the, the, it, it's it's interesting it, 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 it's you know my films deal with community and culture mm -hmm. and I think it translates to Muhammad Ali yeah and, and because it as a person you know he exudes community and culture and he inspired so many people in, in, in so many well, one thing I always one thing that I always find really interesting about Ali I mean there's so many facets of it right but I'm a white Jewish kid that grew up, you know, in, in New York City. And I know so many white kids that were inspired by Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And then you hear from so many, you know, black people that, that were inspired by Ali. But it, it was like he inspired so many people in so many walks of life. You know, it, yeah. it, I, I always found that really interesting that like, you know, there's just, you know, suburban white kids where Ali inspired so so many. And, and I think I think part of it and it goes back to, you know, my films is is community and culture, mm -hmm. and that you see a film like this, and it just talks, it, it, it just, it, it really speaks to what a part of the community he was, and 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 how he became and was during the film, and because he says in the film, like I'm probably the most, um, what does he say, I'm most recognizable person in the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got you know, and, and I got, I'll say something. Uh, 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 about the film also there's scenes in the film where Ali is sitting um, he's like lying in the grass on the side of like a hilltop and my dad tells me it's one of his fondest memories of a filmmaker because he goes he, my dad told me that that was him and Ali sitting just the two of them you know like sitting and, and like he said that's one of his most cherished memories of, of being a filmmaker of like you know, shooting that stuff. It was just Ali, my dad, and like the cameraman with his eye in the lens and the sound man. Yeah. But it's like, you know, and, 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 and I can, and I can relate to that because, uh, you know, one of the last films, you know, that I put out, I felt that same way. It was me and the guys from Metallica. 
It was me and Johnny Rotten. It was me and Cindy Lauper. So I, I, I relate to that. What that means as a filmmaker to have the accessibility, you know, with, with a subject like that. Yeah, those those moments that yeah. that are once in a lifetime moments. Really, and, and my films, and, and and I strive for that in my films. Mm-hmm. If you, is that uh, I don't show up with a big film crew. I like to I like to be I like to literally be alone with that person and create that sort of feeling of intimacy. And I like to think that that translates into my films. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Where can my listeners find out more about the MeWe documentary? Well, it's a tough one because um, it, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not released yet. We're mm-hmm. trying to figure out what to do with it. Um, ESPN showed some interest in some of the footage, um, you know. So right now, I'm doing screenings. You know, if there's anybody out there that would like to host a screening, or if there's anybody out there that that would really just love to see the film, just reach out to me. Um, you know, uh, and uh, you know, and I'll get you a copy to watch. You know, but I'm doing screenings all over, and uh, you know, if somebody would like to host one, you know, I'm just trying to get it out there right now. You know, you know, I'd love to get it out there on iTunes or Amazon or something like that, oh, so okay. so people could see it. I mean, I think that's the idea because it's not it's it's a short film. It, it, it's a half hour film. Mm-hmm. So I think it, in the end, maybe getting it out there on a platform. And don't get me wrong. In the end, I will put this thing out for free. Yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely will. Because to me, like I said, it's important that the art is liberated. It's important. This is important stuff. And before I hold on to something and clutch it so close that nobody sees it over a few bucks, that will never happen. This film will get out for everyone to see for free before that happens. Very cool. Very cool. You've already done one screening in New York City, and your next one's coming up in Philadelphia on September 14th. Um, there's a... The panel for the screening in Philadelphia is really filled with a lot of local legends in the boxing scene. Um, in New Jersey, in Philadelphia, you have Nigel Collins, yep. a boxing writer, Jay Russell Peltz, a, a matchmaker, promoter, yep. Henry Hascup, a historian for New Jersey Boxing Hall of Fame. Now, there's one individual on the panel that some of my listeners who are more traditional boxing fans, they might not be too familiar with. Uh, Craig Satari of Sick of It All. Can you tell us a little bit more about why you selected him? Sure. Well, Craig Satari was an amateur boxer, Mm -hmm. and um, he's a musician. He plays bass in a band called Sick of It All which is an international touring band. Mm-hmm. He was in a band called Agnostic Front before that, which is an international touring band. And he's, um, he was in my film, the New York Hardcore Chronicles film. He's someone I've known a very long time, and he's someone who has an incredible passion for boxing. He's a boxing historian. He was an amateur boxer. He still trains, and uh, he has a love for Muhammad Ali. And uh, look, I just I just like to be involved with passionate people. That's awesome. And, and, and it's also I think it's really neat. Uh, I like to mix it up a little bit. And yeah, we have a lot of these guys that sort of are known in the boxing world. Mm-hmm. But but here's a guy that's sort of crossing over. Yeah. You know, he's crossing over from the music world. And, and I think what's cool too is in a place like Philly, where you know. I think there's there's a contingent of people that are going to come to the screening because Craig is going to be there, and because you know it's my film, and me and Craig are known like in, in, in that in that music 
scene, and I think that's cool to sort of bring both you know, bring both scenes together. I agree, the, yeah. The sort of the hardcore music scene in Philly and the hardcore boxing scene in Philly. Yeah. So we're, we're looking forward to an exciting night. Yeah, those are definitely two big Is scenes in Philly. Is it October 18th? Uh, September 14th. September. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. You're a busy man. You're a busy no, man. No, no, yeah, you yeah. know, days, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about the screening yeah. in Philly. You know, I mean, you, you've told me about the place and, and uh, John DeSanto, who, who, who put it together, is just a really passionate guy. I mean, for a film like this to screen in a venue like that is 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 really uh, I'm really excited about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and look, I've screened my films all over the world, you know, and it's really nice when you you know when like one of my music films screens in like a music related venue, like one of my films just screened in the Rock Roll Hall of Fame. That oh, was really awesome. exciting, you know, and appropriate, and to have the Ali film, you know, screen. You know, in, in in Philly in that venue is great. Yeah, yeah. And Veteran Boxers Association in Philly is right. Fantastic venue for the screen. And, and the venue is called Veteran Asso- uh, Veteran. Uh, the Veteran Boxers Association. Right. Ring one. Yeah. Ring one. Right. And, yeah. and I'll make sure to uh, share the information about Please. the venue on the yep. on the post that comes along with this podcast. Cool. Yeah, cool. definitely. Right. Um, do you have any other plans to screen the film in other cities this fall? I really don't. I, I don't have anything else set up. Um, it's sort of been the, the, the thing where I do one screening, people, you know, people get excited about it. Someone approaches me for the next screening. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know what I might do at some point is I might submit it to film festivals. Oh, okay. You know, and and do like do do a run of film festivals. Um, so there's no, there, you know, there's no big, uh, there's no other plans. I'm just sort of taking what comes up, and uh, ESPN is interested in, in some of it, so mm-hmm. we'll see. You know, um, we'll see what happens with that. You know, I know there's a lot of Ali stuff coming out soon. Yeah, I think yeah. Ken Burns just did an Ali documentary. I think so. Yeah, I think there. Has so there's been a, a lot of Ali stuff that that's about to come out. You know. Yeah, and I'm sure as people see this film, right. um, it it will it will sp- the interest will spread. Listen, the other thing about it is, like I said, um, I'll do some screenings, mm-hmm. but I think that when it dies down or if the demand's not there. I'll release it for free on YouTube for the whole world to see it. Very cool. Me and my family are fine with that. Yeah. And it's important that the art is liberated. Yep. Very well said, Drew. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining me this afternoon. It's a pleasure to speak with you. My pleasure. And I just want to thank everyone that supported me as an independent filmmaker. Uh, If you'd like to know some more, check out www.stonefilmsnyc.com. If you have Netflix, uh, just search under my name. I have a film on Netflix right now called Who the... is that guy the fabulous journey of Michael Alago and a couple of my films are on Amazon Prime so thanks a lot everyone and, and I hope to see you out there soon awesome thank you Drew okay cool